Magic is power. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. I am your legacy newbie, Patrick. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. How you doing this week? I am great, man. I'm great. I'm in the Christmas spirit. It's getting cold up here in New England. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. It's great. I'm get- I have my Christmas party coming up. Cleaning Excellent. up the house. We got the tree up. Got the star nice. and all the ornaments. It's, it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> make, are all the ornaments sh- just like old roaches or what, what are they? <laughs> right, that can be taken two ways. <laughs> now my roommate put it all up. I actually didn't even know he had it, but apparently he just had a one of those fake trees in the uh, oh, storage nice. room. So, yeah. Awesome. That's great, man. That's awesome. All right. Well, before we get to our guest, do want to uh, just mention Hipster the Coast. You know, as always, we want to thank Hipsters for bringing you guys Leaving a Legacy to your ears every Friday. You can check out hipstersofthecoast.com for a ton of awesome legacy content and more. So check them out, hipstersofthecoast.com. And also, if you want to support the show, if you think that what we do offers you guys value, you want to give us back a little bit, um, you can visit patreon.com slash legacy. You can support the show for as little as a dollar an episode. We have some awesome rewards. We have stickers and shout-outs and play mats. Uh, we're still working on the beer steins. <laughs> we haven't, I haven't gotten an update on Jerry from that. I'm sure he's working diligently well, on that. So apparently, he's getting so, it from Uzbekistan, and he's been a- <laughs> no, no. So I talked to Michelle, our friend Michelle, at Gaming Etc., mm-hmm. and I guess she has friends who uh, like make stuff. So I'm working with her because she's like, "Don't pay Perfect. those those price prices. Those are crazy prices. We can get them cheaper." So yeah, oh good. That's, we're that's what I was it, saying. We're attacking it from a different angle. We're getting you guys more for your buck, more bang for your buck, <laughs> more Stein for your scallop, right? Yeah. No. Is a scallop a thing? Is, do people uh, like call maybe, money scallops? Maybe if you're Fred Flintstone. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, visit patreon.com slash leaving Alexi. And so this week, we're welcoming back our friend Dan Holland. Dan, what's going on, man? How you doing? Not much. I'm good, Pat. Awesome. Thanks for having me back. Of course. Yeah. So the last time you were on, it was back in May, May 12th, actually, episode 133. I looked it up. And uh, we were talking about splash damage from the Sensei's top band. Uh, so we had you on because you are a Pox player. Now, have you? are you still jamming Pox? What's going on with you lately? Uh, not anymore. Not anymore. Um, I believe, if I recall, I haven't listened to the episode, but uh, I seem to recall uh, an angry, slightly drunken rant uh, <laughs> of mine for about an hour and a half about how shitty it was that they banned that card. Um and it kind of culminated in, you know what? I hate everything. I'm just going to play four <laughs> Blood Moons, four Chalice of the Voids, and the Abyss, and flip the table. And uh, <laughs> that's pretty much what I'm on now. So you, you locked yourself in a cabin high up in the mountains, shunning all human interaction, and you, you put together the meanest, meanest deck you could come up with? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Lots of beer, you know, little peyote, chilling. <laughs> I was like, you know, psyching myself out. How can I be even meaner than Pox? <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It, I, it feels pretty mean, this this little brew. Awesome. Well, we have a lot to talk about this week because uh, this past weekend we had the Gaming Etc. Uh, 1K, 
which ended up becoming a 2K, Jerry, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, so we had 78 players show up for the 1K at Gaming Etc., uh, which is... Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty insane. Uh, 78 people for a 1K like that is like a small regional tournament. Um, and if you think about it as just a 1K, that's pretty bad EV battling through seven rounds of Swiss followed by top eight to mm-hmm. like, you know, you walk away with $400 if you come in first. Uh, but if you come in like eighth, you only get 50 bucks and anything below eighth is just out of luck. <laughs> so, uh, terrible EV if it had just stayed a one K and that's probably why most one Ks don't get very big, but you know, Michelle, Michelle just treats her players really well there. Um, I think that's why she got 78 players for a 1K is because people know um, that, you know, Michelle do right. So she ended up um, more than doubling the prize pool. It ended up being a a 2.5K. It was like a 2.5K and change uh, when I did the math. So it went up to uh, 1,500 for top eight. Uh, and then ninth through 16th got six packs of uh, Iconic Masters. And then on top of that, uh, 17 through 32 uh, got Jeez. three packs of uh, Modern Masters. So, like, like almost the top half of the tournament gets something when you walk away. Oh, yeah. like That's I mean, amazing. If That's you amazing. coming in the top half, you uh, basically more than made up your entry fee. So that that one of the things I just want to point out here, and we don't have to dwell on this too long, is just like how awesome of a legacy community that we have up here that, first of all, 70 some odd people showed up for a 1K tournament, which is it, which is great. Like 70 <laughs> people showing up for a weekend tournament is amazing. But also like the prize, the the the. The prize support from the TO, Michelle, who runs who runs Etsy, who's fantastic. She like saw that there was a, a significantly larger entry, and she's like, you know what? Let's let's expand this prize pool. It's, not, it's something that she didn't have to do, and she did it. And uh, I think that's pretty awesome. The one person who was not happy about it was our wonderful judge Sean. Uh, Myth had... Kim. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Sean. The... <laughs> I'm just kidding, Sean. I love you, buddy. <laughs> We've had on the cast uh, a few times now, like when the 72nd person walked in the door, which is like the cutoff for seven rounds, like his shoulders just visibly slumped. <laughs> but like, he ah. said he said the, the, the top the way top eight played out more than made up for it. So, yeah. So on top of that, what happened was we got to top eight and uh, everyone's like, all right, we've been here for seven rounds. Uh, we just want to go home. Top eight is splitting. And Michelle's like, oh, if we're everyone splitting, I'm adding an extra $100 to the prize pool. <laughs> <laughs> so it ended up being 1600 uh, for oh, top great. eight. And then that way, everyone in top eight got an even uh, 200 That's awesome. Yeah, but, that was awesome. I, I know we're supposed to wait till the end for scoops, but like huge shout out to the folks at Gaming Etc. It's just the best place to play magic. We're just, we're just, we're so lucky, man. Hands we're so down. like, yeah, we're, we're incredibly lucky to have someone like Michelle uh, in our corner uh, for our community. So that's awesome. Well, it's also too, was uh, even though there were 78 people there, it wasn't cramped at all. Like they could have fit another 40 people in that. Uh, oh store. yeah. They have a, they have a ton of space there. They have a ton of space and it's clean. It's great. I can't say enough good things about that store. I no. hate to gush about Etsy too much, but um, they really are <laughs> um, fantastic. Yeah, well, I mean, the community was great, too, because we were having people coming from, like, Albany, New York, and Maine, and, like, oh, people, were, people were taking, like, four or five-hour drives for this 1K. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Which, like, it, you would have to, like, promise me five buys in order for me to get to drive <laughs> to Albany for a 1K. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, so that that was awesome. Uh, tournament tournament turnout was great. Uh, lots of people there. Uh, I did I did mediocre. Um, so I went four three overall. Which was good for twenty fifth place. Which... Jerry mediocre. Mediocre. <laughs> um, Sorry. What What I was pissed though was going into round seven. I was in fifteenth place with the best breakers of uh, my ranking, and I win round seven. So I'm like, oh yeah, like I moved up. Uh, I'm gonna move up in the rankings. It's like maybe I can even, uh, you know, <laughs> scooch in on breakers. Uh, that was a pipe dream. And instead, <laughs> I drop from 15th place to 25th place. Yeah, <laughs> like, it happens. It happens. <laughs> I was just pissed. I'm like, how do I win my match and drop 10 places out of uh, top 16 prizes? <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> um, but. So up first, I actually played our uh, friend, local lands player, uh, Caleb. Uh, and it's funny because this is a match that the coin flip decided the match. Um, so I, I decided to sleeve up Sneak and Show this week. Um, I played, you know, I played Bug, Bug Delver to the top eight last week, but the gaming etc. meta is usually a lot more prison focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of lands players, a lot of uh, like Trinosphere stompy style decks. Uh, so I just felt Sneak and Show was going to be much better positioned for that meta. And it was. It's just things didn't go, uh, you know, as they should, as, you know, as Magic is want to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, so against Caleb in round one, he was playing Lands, which is pretty much a buy for Sneak and Show. Uh, but it actually came down to the coin, uh, the uh, dice roll. Mm-hmm. So Caleb actually says, instead of high roll, let's do low roll. <laughs> Stud muffin. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, sure. And he rolls like a seven, and then I roll like snake eyes. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'll go first. And uh, he ended up making a turn two merit lage, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. but he couldn't attack with it. You know, it doesn't have haste. Right. I end up going on my third turn with uh, Ancient Tomb. Show and tell in sneak attack, activate sneak attack, put Emrakul in play with haste, annihilator oh, trigger. Oh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I just got goosebumps. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> literally came down to the to the uh, dice roll because if he nice. had gone first, he would have uh, he would have had that turn advantage and just ranched me. Nice. Um, no, I think the real lesson is that Merit Lead should probably have haste. Right? <laughs> Listen, you do not want to give a 2020 haste if you don't have to. <laughs> oh, but I kind of do, you know. Uh, so I mean, if we're giving these 15, 15 flying annihilator six things haste, right? Why not a 2020? Uh, I wonder. I'm. I wonder if there's like an unstable card that lets you return a token to your hand. That would be that so would be, sick. That would be an interesting mechanic. Uh, we're gonna bounce merit lage and give it haste. <laughs> Uh, speaking of, did you see that, uh, Unstable's now EDH, uh, legal for a month? I saw, I saw oh that. Oh my great. god, that's so amazing. <laughs> well, S- Silver Border is legal for a month, correct? Yeah, all is Silver Border is legal for a month. Yeah. I kind of, you know, I think it would be hilarious if Legacy did that. Like, have a Silver Border legal Legacy tournament. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, I mean, yeah, Michelle could run that. You know, it'd be, it'd be cool. Why not? Oh yeah. Um, so back to the tournament, uh, be be Caleb. Uh, I mean, that wasn't anything he could really do. Uh, game two played out exactly how Sneak and Show uh, lands usually plays out. Uh, so I uh, was able to get him there. Um, up next, I played against uh, Miracles. So uh, surprisingly, in seven rounds, guess how many Miracles decks I played all day? 
Six. <laughs> One. <laughs> we two. You just got you know closer to three, the medium. Three. <laughs> Four. Good job, Bat. Only good job. Three <laughs> miracles decks. <laughs> I didn't have to guess four. You should have stopped me earlier. <laughs> so yeah. So wait, I, Jerry, is this two weeks in a row you've lost to miracles? No, I beat miracles. Sneak and show was like wait what was what was josh on last he week? was on was miracles he was on miracles last week did did he beat you he did yes pat yes <laughs> wow i just said pat i was i'm used to pat shitting on me i just assumed <laughs> so wait would that not mean you lost to to miracles two weeks in a row i didn't lose to miracles though i beat them this week oh okay all right see i, I just like jumped to the natural conclusion that jerry lost to Miracles. <laughs> i know because he sounded like he was complaining about it oh i played I know. three times well, because it's like i thought sensei's dividing top was banned why am i seeing all these miracles decks again <laughs> yeah, they can't give still it wins because they still have terminus and counterbalance yeah. and like eight thousand can who would have thought but... a one mana sweeper is good who would have thought yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, Miracles was like 50-50 before the top ban, uh, and then now after the top ban, I think Sneak and Show's heavily favored against them. They're That's just... so surprising to me that, that I would imagine with all the swords and plowshares they run, and Snapcaster Mages, that, that they would be favored over you. Emrakul no, does, they can't Emrakul don't Emrakul. care about, yeah, he doesn't yeah. care about and like, uh, swords, and Terminus... Terminus is good enough, right? It's much harder to pull off But, now, like, they, it's really hard to to get the Terminus Set on up, your yeah. opponent's turn at instant That's speed, fair. right? They could always, like, flip the top and cast it. Here, it's like, they have one card in their deck that can do that, right? It's Brainstorm. Is, yeah. Unless, like, Predict is an instant, and you've, like, put it three down or something like that. Yeah, or they get, like, the absolute read with a Portent... <laughs> Because poor didn't you draw on the next upkeep? Actually, no, that wouldn't. Yeah, even but they're work not going to act. They're not that wouldn't work. Sneak attack in their upkeep. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. Like, so that doesn't work either. Yeah, so it's bust now. pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah, miracles is now pretty favored because um, they're just they don't have a clock. So you just build up a hand to fight through their counter magic, and then you just go off. They just give you way too much time. So, so what Jerry meant to say was that sneak and show is favored, not miracles. Yeah, did I say miracles is favored? For- yeah. Uh, Frodian, That's okay, I'm just having PTSD flashbacks. To, yeah, uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's hard, man. It's hard. <laughs> you know, you run up against this and you're just like, no, no, yeah. there's no way I'm going to lose to this pile. I mean, I think it's also it, it very much comes down to skill game because, you know, I've learned much of legacy from Josh Sissio. He stays on top of the format even more than I do. So um, it, an, a skill, skilled player can obviously outplay a bad matchup. Yeah, I think this version, or at least the versions of Miracles that I've been seeing come down to, like, do you know how to appropriately set the top of your deck ahead of time? And that is extremely skill-intensive, and you have to be able to have the read. And, like, Josh is the Stone Cold Nuts as far as legacy magic players that I've ever played with. So, yeah, like, if anyone in the room is going to, like, have the read on everyone else two turns ahead of time, it's going to be him. And, like... Mm -hmm without top you do need to like have that read for next turn and the turn after so uh, it's definitely a lot harder than it was which is great because i think one of the number one problems i had with miracles was that it was the quote-unquote best deck in the format and so a whole lot of people coming into the format are like oh what should i play i don't know i guess i'll just play the best deck mm-hmm. and they pick up this deck that's incredibly complicated and then they're sitting there spinning tops and spending like i don't know even, like, 20 seconds on a top activation is like, dude, you're going to have, like, 800 of these in the game. You yeah, like really need to, you, you need to pick it up, right? So it's, like, it, it needs to be, like, three to five seconds or less. 
right? And mm-hmm. you need to not be, like, if you know the top three cards and you're fine with the order, don't spin the top, move on. Like, you should know that as a good Miracles player. If you watch, like, really skilled Miracles players that, like, make it on camera, they're, they're like, they're only topping when they have to, and, like, they keep track of the top card, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll see them, like, they know what's on top. So if someone casts a spell, they don't bother to spin to check. They know what's there. They flip for their counterbalance, and they move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of that time wasting came down to a lot of people that weren't as skilled with the deck, and, and now you have to be skilled with the deck. Right. And because basically once you arrange the top of your deck, you can't change it. You better, yep. you have to live with it. So. Yep. Um, that that definitely uh, plays into Miracles, which is already a pretty skill-intensive deck. I think it definitely got much more skill-intensive, mm-hmm. um, which I'm okay with. I'll, I'll take these free wins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't play Sneak and, Je- Sneak and Show for the skill, people. <laughs> we play it for the wins. <laughs> Better lucky than good. Better Dot lucky deck. than goods. <laughs> um. So up next, I played against Grixis Delver, which so I sat at table at uh, table three, got paired with Grixis Delver, and that went uh, about as well as you would expect. I think Grixis Delver is, you know, probably the worst matchup for Sneak and Show in the format right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just we've said it a million times before: Delver paired with Counter Magic and Discard. That's all you need to do to take out Sneak and Show. So I ended up going 1-2 against Grixis Delver, uh, picked up my loss. I wasn't that upset just because I, I know it's a very hard matchup, and picking up my first loss in round three is not the end of the world. Wait, um, can I interject? Was there not an interaction where we passed each other at pairings, right? And you were like, where have you been? And I'm like, I don't know, Jerry, I've been winning. And you were like, <laughs> I'm at table three. And, I was like, and then I immediately lost. Uh, yeah, I go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yep, so I lost, went back down, but I got paired against Miracles again. Um, that one was also another 2-0 victory. Uh, just the matchup is just so much easier without them having uh, Sensei's top. Uh, after that, I went back to Table 3, which I've now decided Table 3 is my curse. I'm going to try and avoid <laughs> Table 3 at all uh, chances because I played against uh, Rug Delver at Table 3. Uh, Rug's not as bad as Grixis because they don't have the uh, discard backup, but I still fell uh, to Rug Delver uh, 1-2, just, you know, Delver Secrets, Nimble Mongoose, and then Choke You on Mana. So, I mean, Sneak and Choke is a fairly greedy deck for a combo deck as far Mm -hmm. as mana goes. Like, you're casting three mana and four mana spells. So if they Wasteland your Ancient Tombs and then Stifle your Fetch Lands... Um, that's all they really need to do to keep you from comboing off while their Delver chips away at you. Mm-hmm. They can also stifle, like, they can get really creative with their stifles, right? Yeah. So yep. you can, like, sack a Lotus Petal, which is your last mana to activate Sneak Attack, and they can stifle it and then swing in for the win. Or if uh, they, like, wait. stifle a Grizzlebrand activation. Like, oh, you mean stifle the Sneak Attack activation? Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you have, like, Put it, you know, uh, cast uh, sneak attack. They don't have a counter for it. They're like, sure, resolves. In your last man, it's like a lotus petal. You, you try to activate, and you're like, I'm going to get the win this turn. I'm going to like put a grizzle brand into play, draw 14 cards, get another lotus petal, put an emerald into play. Right? You sack that there, and you're like, activate sneak attack. They're like, stifle it. 
Yeah, I just I just thought you were saying stifle the lotus petal, but it's a mana ability. So yeah, no, yeah, you can't you can't stifle that. I, yeah, um, I've had people try to like crozen grip my lotus petals, and like they, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, mana abilities are treated differently. You gotta you gotta be careful with that. Mm-hmm. But um, I think also rug right. It's like you gotta be really careful with your life total because they have that reach with lightning bolt and getting a grizzlebrand trigger stifled is. Uh, painful oh yeah i've, <laughs> I've done I've that seen, before it feels I, good yeah i've seen mm-hmm. i've seen players get their grizzle brand activation stifled and then the rug player bolts them because you're not drawing any more counter magic <laughs> mm-hmm. they can stifle the annihilator trigger too right yes i mean sure i'll take 15 cool i'll sack not i'll stifle that and then i'll <laughs> kill you right on the crackback uh, mm-hmm. If they have like uh, goifs and delvers and mongoose and the sneak and sneak and show players just expecting it to be the win mm-hmm. yep Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it, stifle stifle can be really interesting in that matchup. I've seen uh, sneak and show players Jace ultimate get stifled before, uh, so yeah, it it comes up. So it's it's also a pretty rough matchup. Not as bad as Grixis, but still not one that you want to be sitting across from. Uh, then I got paired against Miracles again <laughs> after Rug Delver. <laughs> um, so I was playing against Lucas, who I actually met earlier in the day. Uh, through We had mutual friends uh, through a friend, Nick. And uh, Lucas actually really impressed me because he uh, played the matchup really well. So mm. uh, he knew what I was on. So game one... He did the old uh, Ambush Viper uh, Snapcaster Mage on turn two. Just straight up played Snapcaster Mage, <laughs> no value, just like I just wanted to clock and play. Yep. Uh, and he That's ended, Yeah, and he ended up taking that down. Like, it was, uh, he was chipping away at me with sneak, uh, Snapcaster Mage. Uh, he won the first counter war, and I wasn't able to reassemble the combo before Snapcaster Mage killed me. Uh, that's awesome that's that's the sign of a great player you know like even if you're playing the control deck you need to evaluate what your role is in this game right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in that matchup like you you can't be the control deck against sneak and show right you can't just sit there and do nothing and hope that your late game random like and treat the angels for like six is gonna get there you know like you have to be a tempo deck there you have to do your best delver impersonation and it's it's ugly and it's not great, but that is, I think that's like the best path to victory there. Yeah, for sure. And also it was like, he turned, turned into the tempo deck in that, uh, after we fought, fought over the first show and tell, um, he then used his counter magic on my cantrips. So instead of waiting for me to try and go off again and just see if he had a more stacked hand, he was actively preventing me from finding my, uh, my combo. Mm-hmm. Um, game two, I ended up taking that down. Uh, just the favoritism of the deck sh- really shown through. I was able to, you know, force through a, a grizzle brand, uh, with force of will backup. And I just had more than him. Um, and then game three, I was kicking myself so hard. So against miracles, sneak and show, uh, typically sides out the four Lotus petals. Cause they're just bad in that matchup. You, you're not, it's a slow matchup. So you don't need the acceleration. You have time to set up and sculpt the perfect hand before you go off. Um, so Lotus petals come out and then, um, I was really desperate to bring in an additional sideboard card and because you tend to flood, flood out against miracles, it's slower. I I boarded out a basic <laughs> island. Um, so we we draw our hands, 
Um, but you told me about this. Yeah, we draw our hands. I yeah. go for uh, a turn uh, three show and tell. I have like th- three volcanic islands in play because I'm also not playing around wasteland because I'm playing against uh, miracles. So I have three volcanic islands in play and I jam show and tell. And my hand is like force of will, blue card, ancient tomb, sneak attack, uh, grizzle brand. So I play show and tell. He counterspells my show and tell. I force a will to counterspell. He force of wills my force of will. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. Next turn, I'm just going to slam Ancient Tomb, play Sneak Attack, and activate it because he doesn't have any more counter magic in his hand unless he just gets insanely lucky off the top. Um, And uh, so I pass turn, uh, and he untaps and just windmill slams back to basics. <laughs> just ranches me with the back to basics did nice. not see it at all uh just made like ground me to a halt i all of a sudden had to start like finding lands and because i had boarded out an islands i only had a mountain and an island in my deck and then he surgical my show and tells that was in the graveyard so now oh, my yeah. only win conditions are jace sneak attack and the one of pyromancy that i brought in and <laughs> my three <laughs> my three uh my three volcanic islands are tapped that's the only volcanic islands the deck runs show into uh lotus petals got boarded out so all i have is one mountain pyromancy costs two to cast so i can't play uh i can't play pyromancy with my one mountain sneak attack costs one red to cast and then one red to activate so i can play a sneak attack but i can't activate it and jace is two blue mana and I only have one island. So it just stone cold locked me out of the game. Um, so I ended up losing that one. I mean, Lucas played that really well, uh, you know, with the snapcaster mage ambush viper game one, and then just complete catching me completely unawares with the, uh, back to basics, uh, like as a blood moon deck, I don't you, you don't really think about those types of things when playing the deck. You you worry about wastelands, but Blood Moon doesn't really do anything cuz even if they turn your volcanic islands into mountains, you can still use those mountains to win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh back to basics is just a complete shutout apparently. So Lucas did that really well. Uh picked up my third loss. So at this point I'm 3 and 3. Uh going And what deck was that, Jerry? Uh, that was miracles, Dan. So, so did you meet? <laughs> did you happen to lose the miracles two weeks in a row? I did, but I also beat okay, miracles. All right, all right, all right. So I am two and two against miracles. That is a fifty percent win rate. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. You know that's fine. Uh, just, uh, and just confirming here. Just confirming. I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I mean, granted, if I hadn't in both miracles matches, I lost. It was a very clear punt or a bad decision on my part that led to the loss. So just gotta be smart. That's why you play the better lucky than good deck, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you need to be lucky and good. <laughs> that's true very true uh the uh the elusive the elusive combo um so finally going around seven uh played against uh this kid brett uh i got i felt bad um so i i was walking by his match uh earlier and like he was packing it up and he just felt like looked really down um, like, I think he made a punt or something in his last round, so he was just severely on tilt. Um, and then I get paired against him, and he's, like, still on tilt going into round seven. 
and I draw my opening hand and I feel like shit because my opening hand is Ancient Tomb, Lotus Petal, Grizzlebrand, Show and Tell, Force of Will, Blue Card, Blue Card. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, so I, I don't know what deck he's on. So I'm like, I, I feel good. I'm on the play. Uh, I should be able to, uh, you know, fight through this unless I get super unlucky right here. Uh, like if he has the double force of will. So I just say force of will check and I go ancient tomb, lotus petal, show and tell. And he goes, yep. <laughs> and I reveal Grizzlebrand, and he reveals Bajuka Bog. Oh, yep. <laughs> so I mean, he he held it together. I would be pissed. Like if I was already on tilt going into round seven, and then my opponent turn one grizzle brands me, like I would feel like shit. But he kept it together. Um, he didn't just like scoop up his cards. Uh, he played to his outs. So uh, he untapped, went like Bayou crop rotation for what I assume was uh, Caracas, and then I just you know drew cards with. Grizzlebrand and Force of Will mm-hmm. to the crop rotation. So, I mean, he it he definitely fought through it uh, to get, um, you know, try and get a win out of it. Uh, but, I mean, there's no coming back from that. Yeah. Uh, and then game two, I draw my opening hand. I put him together over the turns. It took me to kill him with Grizzlebrand. I figured out he was on turbo depths between, like, Pajuka Bog, Bayou, crop rotation, uh, and then seeing like a couple of other cards uh, out of his deck. So game two, my opening hand is Ancient Tomb, Pithing Needle, Pithing Needle. <laughs> so I just go Ancient Tomb, play it, Pithing Needle on Hex Mage, Pithing Needle on Thespian Stage. And I was just able to assemble my combo uh, before he could deal with them. Mm-hmm. But I mean... <laughs> Props to him uh, going into it. Like, he was still a really nice guy to play against. Uh, he was friendly, even though I could tell he was not having a good day. So, just want to, you know, I, I definitely respect that. Yeah, I uh, I played him as well. I think he, he was part of the Albany crew. Um, yes, yeah. Huge shout out. He, he you know, um, he took his licks. He uh, kind of knew that the local meta might not be the best for the stack. He was kind of waffling. Should he play this or should he play Pox? He's a modern black Pox player as well. Um, and uh, I think I think he has like a great attitude for a legacy player who wants to get better, right? Like, um, don't like beat yourself up a little bit if you make punts, um, but don't like you, you can't like take it to heart and like throw everything away kind of like i was suggesting the last time i was on the cast i was like screw this i want to play other formats <laughs> yeah if i I'm remember so correctly mad. you were gonna quit legacy entirely <laughs> yeah dude i was i like there were external factors other than magic that day i was on i was on some seriously hard tilt um but uh yeah yeah that's a great attitude to have you know um Take the licks, realize you made a mistake, um, call yourself out on your mistakes, you know, ask other players about them. Um, he definitely talked to me about our game and, and what he could have done differently, uh, what he could have done differently in past games, um, saying, I think I made a mistake here. I think I made a, um, um, you know, I think I made a mistake there. Crowdsource your, um, crowdsource your education and your decision-making, right? So, um, if your opponents are willing, asking them about maybe how you sideboarded, right? Um, if you don't expect to meet them again in the tournament, I think is a really, really valuable thing to do. 
Um, and he definitely took that attitude. And I think uh, he might have had some friends who were giving him kind of like <clears throat> maybe a little harder time than he deserved, you know. I think he played really well against me. He was really thoughtful. Um, I don't think he made any mistakes given the information that he had in our games. I think he played really, really well. Uh, but he, uh, I think he had a friend who was um, maybe, you know, being a little too harsh on him. Not like intentionally. Pat wasn't but there. He, yeah. <laughs> Pat, is that you? Are you that guy, Pat? I've never, I've never known you to be that guy. Every that week. Is... Do you listen to our podcast every week? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. That's a good point. After the fact, Pat, Pat is rough. I think, Pat, we were at like one tournament together and you were like the greatest guy. Yeah. I, I try to be nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. He puts on a great, he puts on a face. Great face. A great Put on a fool's face. the world. It's just because Jerry's I mean, terrible. Like, I can't help it. We, we did go to like some 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 diner in Worcester, right? Like the, we didn't play, right? I was just yeah. like we were at a diner in Worcester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, that's a great attitude to have, and 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 shout out shout out to that guy, and shout out to his whole crew for coming down. You know, they made the tournament what it was, and and they brought they brought some some pretty high level. Uh, uh, players to that tournament so yeah appreciate it coming together all right let's get to the meat and potatoes uh dan we'll talk about your weekend legacy because you did much better than i did in the tournament but before we kind of go into it let's let's get into how how the deck evolved yeah <clears throat> so i went on some seriously major tilt after they banned my tops um I was a Pox player for I don't know what Jerry like six or eight years. Like I um, pretty like almost as long as we've been playing Legacy. <laughs> yeah, so I started out as an Affinity player way back in the day, um, and I started playing at that's Entertainment in Worcester, playing Affinity because uh, it was the cheapest deck I could put together uh, that could still win, and. Uh, I watched Reed Duke play Mono Black Pox at a Star City Invitational. Uh, I think Blue Red Delver was popular. Or yeah. Blue, yeah, and it was like... I, I remember sitting in your kitchen, uh, or your parents' kitchen, actually, uh, and we're like huddled around a laptop watching Reed Duke versus Adam Prozac. And Adam Prozac oh my God, up. he just systematically dismantled him. It was just not close at all and adam pros like it's just like sure and i think reed casts like engineered plague post board and prozac's like sure and he's like wizard and adam prozac realized every single creature in his entire deck was a wizard that had one toughness (laughs) 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 oh delver's an x1 wizard when it comes into play oh snapcaster mage is a 2-1 wizard oh vendillion click is a 3-1 wizard fairy oh uh i'm fucked i literally lose the game on the spot (laughs) Uh, and so. that's when I was like, I'm going to play that deck. And it was, you know, I didn't have to invest in dual lands. Uh, I just bought a bunch of swamps, some Urborgs, and wastelands, which at the time weren't crazy expensive and currently aren't crazy expensive because they've been reprinted. So um, I think that's a, that's a pretty cool interactive uh, option if you want to enter Legacy right now. Um, I think Burn is, people are like, you can play Burn if you want to enter Legacy. It's relatively cheap. It's easy to port over from say modern um but i think pox is is, uh another totally viable option 
if you want to make sure you're having all of the fun in a game of Magic. <laughs> uh, as one Pox player told me this week, Magic is a net fun game. <laughs> it's a zero-sum game. Uh, if your opponent is having none of the fun, you are having all of the fun. Exactly. Right. Remember that. Which means you're maxing out your value, so... Yeah, Fuck super em. maxo. Well, I don't know. That's a, that's not not actually true, right? You might be able to have like you might generate more utility losing all of your matches playing some crazy deck that you built, right? You might have more fun that way. But uh but you can make sure that like percentage-wise, yeah, max value pox. <laughs> super fun. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I think the 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 evolution of this deck, I I uh uh, I got angry and wanted to play all the angry hate cards because that's kind of like who I've been as a person playing Pox for a long time and I couldn't see a way forward for the deck <laughs> post-banning. And so I was like, screw it. I'm just going to play like every hateful card that I can find and just be like a hateful person for a little while. Yeah, so instead of looking inwards, do some self-reflection, uh, come out a better person, you decided to just spiral down and feed the uh, the madness. That's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm picking yeah, up. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I also, like, generally absolutely 100% refuse to play blue cards in Legacy, which is, like, if you want to win at Legacy, that's a terrible decision. Like, don't take my advice at all. <laughs> but... Um, if you want to have fun and and do something like interesting and different, then I think exploring non-blue options is like a really good place to be. Hell yeah. Uh, so let's get to this deck. I, I love this list, Dan. Uh, right off the bat, we got the four blood moon, just like you promised, followed by the four chalice of the void. Also, as foretold, <laughs> uh, I promised and uh, I delivered. You delivered. So. <laughs> uh, then rounding out the top 10 two sorcerers spyglass, seeing it pop up more and more. How was it? Um, it was actually really good. Uh, the second spyglass was the 61st card. I, I kind of like went into this tournament not expecting to do super well and I kind of wanted to try some stuff out so um it's definitely not like a honed list at the moment um and I think that might be one of the cards uh, one of the cards that I would consider cutting like shaving one of them if I wanted to go back down to 60 but um the rest of the deck has a hard time dealing with activated abilities and it was almost never a good card, and I, I definitely had one of my opponents, like, I went turn one Ancient Tomb Spyglass, and my opponent tanked real hard and was like, huh, this is not the card I expected to force of will on turn one, but force <laughs> pitching brainstorm. <laughs> I was like, all right. Does, so, uh, do they only have, like, yeah, one fetch land in their hand? <laughs> maybe, you know. Um, I, I never got to see because they forced it, but uh, it could it could have been they only had one type of fetch land. It could have been they were really relying on the death right shaman they cast the following turn. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I think if you're playing a deck with that kind of mana acceleration, right? If you're playing like Ancient Tombs or uh, City of Traders or Mox Diamonds or some kind of Spirit Guide, then it is a really powerful option. Um, because it Pything Needle is a disgustingly powerful card, but it is really skill intensive if you're trying to like catch something in the blind. You don't have to catch something in the blind with this card. Yeah. Just makes magic easy. 
Yeah, yeah. Most of the cards in my deck are about making it easy. <laughs> uh, so we also got four collective brutality. I've been a big fan of it as just creature removal, life gain, and combo hate. Uh, I see the the full four copies. Yeah, card is uh, broken. Card's real good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good. I, I've never found it to be not useful ever. Uh, even even just like uh, opponents trying to like grind through little bits of damage here and there. Like, cool, I'll drain you for two life. I'll gain two back. Put you back a turn. Like, it's it's one of the reasons why I'm playing black in this deck. Um, you know, with all the Blood Moon Chalice, I, I could play like Mono Red Stompy or something, but Brutality is just too good. Um, it's good in your combo matchups, like you said, which which wouldn't be great otherwise, but I think having access to Chalice and Collector Brutality, it's sort of like main deck duress or disfigure, uh, which are both crazy powerful cards that come in out of the sideboard in, in other decks. Um, so having it be... G- giving you options is uh, is really powerful, and, and I can't say enough good things about that card. Like, four is the right number for that card in this deck. Play four brutalities for sure nice how often are you escalating it um it depends on my opponent if i suspect that they have like a force of will or something it's tough to escalate it more than once um but if say i run a chalice into a force of will and then they play a death right shaman i'm happy like next turn escalating to kill the death right shaman and maybe take a peek at their hand and take a brainstorm or a ponder that they're holding for next turn nice and that's a really powerful thing to do. Yeah. And speaking of early threats, cheat four main deck pyroclasm. <laughs> yeah, I, I was having some trouble with like just swarm decks, and I had been playing like damnation and toxic deluge, and I was thinking to myself, man, what sweepers can I play? This format's too hard. Like, I just need to kill a bunch of things. Uh, and then I realized, uh, duh, I'm playing red. There's a two mana, like, kill most things that exist in Legacy that I would care about. Um, yeah, uh, I think maybe... So I'm going back and forth to go down to 60, whether to cut a Spyglass or a Pyroclasm. Um, they both performed really, really, really well for me uh, during the tournament, but drawing multiple Pyroclasms, like, one's probably enough in the matchups where it's good. So... I might go back down to three, but that card is really good. And plus, having previously, I had like four brutalities to answer a Deathrite Shaman. A pirate, like I'm more than happy snapping off a Pyroclasm to kill a Deathrite Shaman. So having like, like at least seven, maybe eight ways of killing a Deathrite Shaman on turn one, realistically, because you have Man Acceleration, is uh, a much better place than I was at previously, where it was brutality or bust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just really important to kill that Deathrite Shaman ASAP. It's uh, always important to kill the Deathrite Shaman. That card is disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, Pyroclasm for the little guys. Three Ensnaring Bridge for the big guys. Yeah, I mean, at heart, you're you're this, like, prison deck, right? So, the, the Blood Moon Chalice Ensnaring Bridge package... Uh, is kind of standard in stock. The number of ensnaring bridges varies, but three or four. Um, I was playing four pyroclasms, so I felt okay going to three bridges. 
but really you want to protect against creature decks. Um, eliminate all their lands, take them off one drops early, um, and then smack them with some haymakers. Yeah. And speaking of haymakers, hitting our first win condition, we have three Chandra Torch of Defiance. Yeah, I may get some people being like, why are you not playing four? That card is busted. Um, and you're right. It's it's a really, really, really good card. Um, in previous iterations of this deck, I have played four, and it... I don't know. It, it, it It's slow, and... I often found myself having to cast it and minus just to like stabilize the board position. And it just felt really bad. And uh, I lost plenty. Like, I think I lost one too many games to a Gattachtigue, you know? And I think that's just our local meta, but that really like ticked me off. Mm. So, um, the last I shaved the fourth Chandra for a fourth Pyroclasm, and I'm not sad about it. One Chandra is enough. Once it lands, like if you can like control the board and stabilize, one Chandra is enough. Yeah, I remember standing over your shoulder in games, and you know you have a Chandra in play, and then you top deck a Chandra, and it's just like, well, all right, I guess this is okay to have as insurance, but I'm probably never going to cast this card. I already stabilized. Yeah, I mean, it's not terrible, right? Because you can, like, minus the Chandra and play to kill something and then cast the Chandra to, like, go upstairs. Mm-hmm. But that just wasn't... Like, oftentimes your Chandra is minusing to kill something that has two toughness anyway, and there might be other two toughness or less things on the board that matter. So I felt a Pyroclasm was better in most situations that I had been encountering. Mm. Um, like, uh even say, like, against Death and Taxes, right? I would have people playing, like, Phyrexian Revokers naming the Chandra. Then you're just SOL, right? So Pyroclasm taking care of that and maybe something else would, you know, and Athalia felt um, much better than having this, like, other dead Chandra in your hand. Right. Uh, speaking of shaving Planeswalkers, I'm sad to see Obnixilis got the cut. Yeah, but um, there are other win conditions. Yeah, I definitely, it, it would be great to fit in a spicy one of Obnixilis, but he, he's definitely like a Nambo with your ensnaring bridges because mm-hmm. um, you're drawing cards and maybe not always able to cast them because you have a lot of like high mana cost cards, right? You've got three, four drops all over the place. Right. Um, he's a really good Planeswalker and, and it's wonderful to have an alternate win condition, especially if you show up to a tournament and start doing well with something that's totally weird and people talk about it. And then your opponent turn one needles, your Chandra's because they think it's your only win condition. You need a backup. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, I, I don't think he was not good. Enough. He's not, he wasn't better than a pyroclass and he wasn't better than a spyglass. I didn't think so. Okay. Uh, rounding out, we do have some more planeswalkers. We have three Liliana of the veil. Uh, that, that feels right. Like, any black control deck, I feel, should be running some number of Lilianas. Yeah, probably at least three, maybe four. But uh, for me, it was three because I, I had some more to throw in there. Mm-hmm. And really, we're running a total of five Liliana. We got two copies of Liliana the Last Hope. Yeah, there it is. So originally, I was playing four Liliana of the Veils and one Last Hope. And... Um, 
I shaved one for another lasso because it was so good. It just performed so well for me. Um, picking stuff off is great. Like the minus two for me doesn't do anything, but being able to like shrink and or kill things and then also win the game for three mana um, is just nuts. Incredibly powerful. So are I you, think you're ulting Liliana like fairly frequently? Yep. Um, the way I won every match other than like people just basically tilting flipping and realizing they could never win the game <laughs> was uh, a chandra or a liliana ultimate nice so if you like ultimating planeswalkers this is the deck for you <laughs> yep yep uh awesome so i'll let that fire truck go by <laughs> Uh, so Liliana, Chandra, are they the only win? Well, I guess, so coming here, we got some Simeon Spirit Guides. Did you get any wins off the Spirit Guide beatdown? No. No. All right. No. Um, one of them went ultimate every, every time. Um, so, I mean, like, I think main deck having both of them is fine. Plus, like, a lot of the ways that people have main deck to, to deal with your Planeswalkers. Like, you have... You have five win conditions and three Chandras and two Lilianas. And the odds of, like, trying to think of what I could run into that would just, like, have enough needles main deck to take care of them and probably, like, cloud post deck. Yeah. (laughs) But that's it. Um, You know, like, death and taxes would be rough if you didn't have pyroclasms and... Collector brutalities. Plus, even if they have like, if they spam four needles, like multiple Liliana the Veil ultimates can eventually get rid of enough of them that you can ultimate one of your planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Have there been any other win conditions? I think yeah, I remember you trying Curse Scroll out. Uh, anything else that you've tried and you know might try again? Um, no, I played Obnixilis. I never played the Curse Scroll because. Like, I wish I could, but I didn't play because I have Chalice, so I have no one drops uh, in the yep, deck. that's right. Um, so I had originally had, like, four Chandras, four Liliana the Veils, one Liliana the Last Hope, and one Omnixilis. So that was, like, three different possible win conditions. Um, and I think the goal of this deck is to make sure you don't get to that point. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, if they're shutting off your win conditions, you've already lost. Yeah, exactly. Um, or if you can't answer what they've, what they're putting out there, like you, you just lose. You know, it's sort of like it feels like Belcher or Storm. You know, um, oh, you you have this one card that just like completely shuts down my entire deck, main deck. Cool, good for you. <laughs> Mazel tov. We'll we'll move to more win conditions in the board. So you're definitely ruining your advantage by giving us all your secrets. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, maybe like maybe I'll show up uh, to gaming, etc. And people are going to be running a whole bunch of needles. But you know what? Like, if if you're running a whole bunch of needles for me, <laughs> like, good on you. You know, like I, I hope you feel real good about your other matchups. I mean, they'll be good against me. <laughs> well, that's true. You know what? Here we go. Needle O P. Crazy OB card. Run four. Main deck. Always. Always. Every deck four needle. <laughs> Including chalice decks. 
Definitely against Chalice. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, cool, Chalice for one on the play. Like, now your needles are useless. Yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> so you do... Worse. Okay, so you know what we've learned? Sorcerer Spyglass. O-P. Four. <laughs> automatic. <laughs> four automatic Sorcerer Spyglass. Someone was saying that for standard, that every standard deck should be running four Sorcerer Spyglass. Whoever said uh, that's I believe dumb. it. Cards busted. <laughs> Seems dumb. It was, I guess like against the energy decks, it makes sense. But it was a pro, it was a pro player. Really? Yeah. Four of them. Hmm. Well, just because it's like there are so many activated abilities, yeah. and, and you get to see, you get to peek and cheat. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Long I can say having watched the like the the Star City Invitational, you're right. There are a lot of energy decks, and like yeah. in the top eight, the top eight was standard, and like like more than half of the top eight were variants on the energy deck and i think sam black was playing like four color energy now they're playing because he, mm-hmm. he plays like the scarab god mm-hmm. and something else and so the number of targets you have in that deck is absurd and like in the mirror if you can shut off your opponents the dude that like makes flying thopter dudes or your opponent's chandra's like it's a game breaker so I don't know. Maybe there's like so I I I think that's kind of ridiculous, right? For spyglass main deck. <laughs> I think definitely it was a li- not right. It was definitely a little bit tongue in cheek, but yeah. But like, there's sort of like some truth to that. I think it's. I mean, Pithing Needle was like a crazy a, card. Pithing Needle is like a twenty five dollar card when it was in standard. Uh the first time around, that is really. Yeah. Oh yeah. Spyglass is like two bucks. Yeah. Pithing Needle when it was first printed was like a twenty five dollar card. It was ridiculous. Because it was just, it was so good, it just shut off so many things, like a jit or a jace. Actually, jace yeah. wasn't even printed yet. Yeah, and jit was a problem. Jit. People were playing jits to turn out jits. Yeah. Um, moving on with the deck list with uh, that tangent. <laughs> Going back to the spice. Love these singleton copies. One of the abyss. Uh, yeah, card's good. <laughs> that's that's yeah, all you're gonna good. give me that's all you're gonna give me <laughs> i mean it's the abyss it, it it kills things like it's it's pretty good um <laughs> it's good against thing decks that play creatures um yeah pretty much all right, uh, thanks importantly thanks. Creature, creatures that don't have some kind of protection <laughs> so this came up right um so things like true name nemesis and nimble mongoose cannot be killed by the abyss the abyss targets um so clever taxes players can also like pick a target and then activate mother runes on that target. It's no longer a legal target. They can get around it. Yeah. Um, it's a weird interaction where it's the abyss. You control the abyss, but your opponent chooses the abyss's target. Yeah. So it's like my ability that you get to point at something. Um, and cause that's weird. But whatever, because the abyss magic cards. Because the abyss can kill hexproof creatures. It just can't kill shroud creatures or uh, true name nemesis since it has protection from you and your permanence. No, I don't think it can kill hexproof because I, I like your opponent, whoever owns like owns the abyss owns the ability. I thought it was, I thought it was because they're the ones targeting. No, they're not. The abyss is targeting. They're choosing the target. No. Yes. Yeah, it's a weird. It, it's yeah, a weird it's, card. It's, All right. Yeah, it's a weird card. But you know what? It doesn't come up that often. Um, the two the, the two hundred dollar enchantment thing. from Legends doesn't come up that often. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that doesn't come up that, that often. The <laughs> the and especially the interaction between that and hexproof specifically doesn't come up that often. Um, 
it's usually like True Name Nemesis and uh, Nimble Mongoose are the big ones. And like, I haven't seen a whole lot of Rugged Elver around. It's picking up steam, but for a while it was kind of dead. So it, it was basically like True Name Nemesis, it doesn't get, but like it gets pretty much everything else unless your opponent has a Mother of Runes. Um, then they can try to save some stuff. It's also non-artifact creatures, so artifact creatures live through it. Mm-hmm. I've seen so many Baleful Strix fly in the face of uh, the Abyss. <laughs> yeah, Baleful Strix, also great card. Yep. Good thing you have one Knight of Souls Betrayal to deal with those birds. Yep, kills Baleful Strix. Yeah. Also kills uh, Unflipped Delvers, kills Mongooses that aren't loose. Uh, young um, Pyromancers. And all our tokens. Monastery Mentor tokens. <laughs> and all the tokens, yeah. Well, it doesn't kill Mentor, but well, it makes Mentor pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, it's a sad Mentor. Cool three mana, one one with, prowess. With prowess. <laughs> Value! <laughs> uh, so Night of Souls Betrayal is basically Engineered Plague, except you don't have to choose a creature, but you pay one mana more. Yep. Or a creature type, I should say. Yep, all creatures get minus one, minus one legendary enchantment for two colorless and two black. It's a real good card in a lot of matchups, and um, it work. It, it pairs really well with Liliana the Last Hope because you're like she doesn't get your X twos, but if you have a Nine of Souls Betrayal out, then all of a sudden she's picking off all the X twos, namely Deathrite Shamans. Yeah, mostly Deathrite Shaman, uh, Stoneforge Mystic. Um. Those are the big ones. So annoying. Mm-hmm. So rounding off uh, the rest of the deck is the mana. We got four Mox Diamond for the acceleration. Uh, mm-hmm. Coupled with that acceleration, three Simeon Spirit Guides and four Ancient Tombs. So you have a to- 11 ways to ramp out a two mana spell on turn one. Yep, and and some number of ways of casting a turn one Blood Moon. So it's it's not frequent, but it does happen, and uh, sometimes you just win the game on the spot. Yep. So turn one Blood Moon, no force. Got force? No. Nope. All right, cool. You got red mana for the rest of the game. <laughs> Thanks for playing check pile. And then they go Mountain Goblin Guide. <laughs> Well, I mean, then, then you're screwed, right? That's why you lose the game. <laughs> you're like, uh, thanks for d- dumping all these resources into a useless card. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then rest of the mana base, four Verdant Catacomb, four Bloodstained Mire. Um, I assume the Verdant Catacomb could be also be just be any black uh, yeah, fetch lands. Yeah, eight, eight, eight black fetch lands. Um, I was lazy. I just grabbed what I had. Um, but it, it probably should be a split of a whole bunch of black fetch lands. It doesn't, doesn't particularly matter at all. Just mm-hmm. eight black fetch lands. Yep. And that's because the only red source is two badlands, no mountains. I'm surprised you're not running four badlands. Um, I don't own four badlands, so I had two, so I put two in. Um, I'd probably go up to three. But you have enough non-basics that if you resolve a Blood Moon, then you have plenty of red mana, plus you have diamonds and spirit guides. So the red mana is pretty much covered. Um, It's more important to have black mana through a Blood Moon. True. And for that, you got the five swamps. Yep. Uh, And rounding off a full four Urborg Tomb of Yagmoth. Yep. Um... 
or works good. It helps you um, not die to your own ancient tombs if you have uh, no blood moon. Um, you want to make sure to be able to tap that for black mana. Came up in the tournament. Um, this was very important. My opponent thought I had tapped to take two damage and was ready to kill me, and I was like, no, no, tap for black because um, I have an Urborg in play. Um, you have a lot more double black spells than you have double red spells. The only double red spell in the deck is Chandra. And you have five double black Lilianas and a Knight of Souls Betrayal. So for me, it was important to have that black minute because it is... If your opponent has Force of Will, they're forcing Blood Moon, um, and you need to be able to cast your other stuff without killing yourself. So and that cast, was important for me. cast it quick on the follow-up. Yep. And going to the sideboard, the, that double black count goes up even more. You have the combo, four Leyline of the Void, two Helm of Obedience. Yep. Um, since I started playing Pox, I've never left home without four Leylines. Um and Helm of Obedience just like it's a it feels like if you're running the four ley lines you probably should be playing at least one helm and like the the cost of throwing it in there doesn't seem that high and the upside is crazy right you can just win the game on the spot yeah win the game on the spot for a colorless spell that while expensive is well within your range yeah for sure I mean, especially in this deck, like you can you can end up casting that thing on turn two, like begin with leyline in play, and you can cast it on turn two or three and activate it immediately. Um, it comes in and like you don't have to be playing against a dredge to to bring that in, you know. Um, if you're playing against like miracles and um, you don't think that some of your cards are going to be that great, like the pyroclasms are cool or the collective brutalities are good or. Um, the Abyss, probably not that great against Miracles. Um, bringing in, like, Ley Lines to turn off Snapcasters and bringing in the Helm gives you another win condition, especially if they're going to try to shut off the only two you have. You can bring that in, add another win condition. That can just, like, hit people out of left field. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Or Rug, or, like, um, yeah, Rug. I think I, playing against Rug, he was playing, like, a very delve heavy version of the deck with like hooting mandrels and snapcaster mage um so i brought that combo in and leylined him and he just i think he got stuck with like a couple hooting mandrels in his hand and like just couldn't play spells for pretty much the whole game yeah uh rounding out the sideboard uh wait is this oh okay there's another page never mind so i'm like this is a really small sideboard <laughs> yeah i played six cards that's all you need man. uh the rest were islands six cards and nine islands <laughs> yeah every matchup is great every matchup don't need a sideboard uh we have the brother of the abyss nether void uh joining us on the sideboard uh, yeah, it's a good card. And I feel it's the fourth copy of, you also have three Trinisphere. So Trinisphere and Nethervoid coming in in mostly the same matchups, or what's that plan? Yeah, combo matchups. Um, combo and other, like, control mirror matchups where they're trying to, get, like, uh, blue control mirror matchups where they're trying to cast a bunch of one-mana cantrip spells to get there. Make them pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, make them cast one spell a turn, and you're casting one spell a turn, but, like, I'd rather be casting a Chandra or a Liliana uh, as opposed to, like, a Ponder, you know? 
Right. So Trinisphere makes every card cost at least three, and then Nether Void uh, counters each spell unless you pay an additional three. So the two of those out means Force of Will costs six mana to play. Uh, Brainstorm costs actually everything, you know, costs at least six mana to play. And Resolve. You can play it for three. <laughs> True. It's just going to get countered. It's just going to get countered. Uh, so I guess, you know, Cavern of Souls uh, can get around that, but they're still paying three for it. Yep, Abrupt Decay gets around uh, another Void. Doesn't kill another Void because it costs four, but you can kill things through another Void with Abrupt Decay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abrupt Decay still costs three, though, with Trinosphere. Gotta have a both. Correct. Gotta have yep. them both. Uh, we got the other two copies of Sorcerer's Spyglass in the sideboard. Uh, that's just to bring it in against like Planeswalker decks. Yeah, Planeswalker decks, uh, control decks, decks where like you're boarding out a lot of this like creature removal, creature control package because uh, it doesn't matter all that much. It's just like a catch-all. Um, I was also trying out four total to see how it was. I don't think like, four is definitely the wrong number. Um, I'll go down to three or two. Uh, I haven't decided yet, but I did want to like make sure to try out um, as much of it as possible. So I could get a feel for how many I would want going forward. Nice. Uh, and then we got the fourth copy of Ensnaring Bridge and a single copy of Engineered Explosives. Yeah, another catch-all. Maybe one of the Spyglasses turns into uh, an Explosives. It it can get Python Needles that are annoying um, and other just like random stuff that pops up. And you're a two-color deck. But you also have Mox Diamond, so yeah. you can get up to three if you need to. Um, occasionally, in a pinch, like it, it's possible. It's not reliable, but you can do it. So, um, and it you can bring that in in a lot of matchups, right? It's an extra sweeper, or or it catches Python needles mostly for me. Nice. And fifteenth card, one of my favorites, Chains of Mephistopheles. Did you hear that? Did you hear that, Pat? I did hear that, Jerry. You pulled it off nicely. Thanks. I, I've been I, waiting. I've been patiently waiting the entire episode for you to say it. <laughs> That's why I was listed last in the deck list. I've been waiting with bated breath. I've, I've been on pins and needles the whole time. So you just nailed it, Jerry. I've been you practicing. Nailed it, buddy. I've been practicing my Mephistopheles pronunciation. <laughs> you fucked it up again. Oh, uh, yep, yep. <laughs> Definitely on purpose. But uh, how'd you like chains? Uh, it's good. Bring it in against blue decks. I brought it in against rug. Got to call a judge. My opponent cast a, um, he cast a Sylvan library looking into a chains and was like, untap, upkeep, draw Sylvan. And I was like, judge, <laughs> what happens? <laughs> so Sean came over and was basically like, my this was actually pretty cool. My opponent was on a rug and post board he cast that. He was at four life. Um, and he was like, Sylvan. And so that's why like, I immediately called a judge because like you're dead <laughs> if, if you decide to say i will do this um, oh yeah if he has no cards in hand he can't put any back he has to pay the life exactly so he Ooh. had he had zero cards in hand and so <laughs> sean came over and was like yes i finally a chain sylvan call let's go <laughs> he was like how many cards do you have in hand the guy was like zero he's like okay you can either choose to um draw for draw for turn uh discard that draw card discard that draw card put that card back and pay for life or do nothing <laughs> And the opponent was like, whoa, I'm at four. He's like, okay. He's like, uh, I guess I'll do nothing and draw this useless card and then die next turn. <laughs> um, but uh, that kind of got to like an interesting case because Sean was like, if he was at less than four life, 
he could have chosen to um, draw, discard, draw, discard, draw, put it back. You don't have the four life to pay, so you can't pay four life, so you just stay at three. Oh, what? <laughs> yep. If it wasn't such a terrible Nambo, you could use that to, to just get free cards. I don't know. You still have to put it back. Oh, okay. You, you still have to put what you drew back. You just don't die on the spot. Ah, um, okay. So, for- so it, it, it still sucks. Like, I mean, just don't ever activate your Silver Library in the face of a Chains. <laughs> like, almost ever. There's like... There's no reason to do it unless you're going to pay an exorbitant <laughs> amount of life to like draw what you drew that turn. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, all right. So that's the list. Run us down your tournament. How'd you do? Um, I ended up 5-1-1, one, and one, uh, drew into top eight. Um, after drawing in, I think I was seated fourth, uh, and we split. Um, it was a good tournament. Um I started out round one playing against like a four color Leoval deck. Um, game one, I think I had a Chalice, and then I played. Um, so he played a Deathrite Shaman. I played a Chalice. He didn't have a counter for it. Had to be forceful because I still had Spare Guide backup. Um, if he tried to daze me, um, he casts a brainstorm. I countered it with my chalice. You actually have to remember chalice, which is an important thing to do. Um, turn two, I played a swamp and exiled my spirit guide and cast the abyss, and he lost. Um, game two, I played a blood moon. He couldn't cast spells, so um, that was a win. That was a one zero. Um, game two. Uh, I played against the same player you played against, Sherry, who was playing the um, the Hex Depths deck. This was a really close match. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not terrible because you can um, you can throw out Blood Moons and Ensnaring Bridges. Yeah, I feel um, you have more main deck answers for Hex Depths than probably any other deck in the format. <laughs> yeah, and Spyglass. So um, that came in real handy there. Yeah. And I think... <laughs> Basically, like, basically, you lose to them getting like the god hand and get the early merit leash before you can get anything down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I uh, he he kept kind of conservative hand. He kept a conservative hand game one, and I got to blood moon him, and then he didn't have a whole lot to do and tried to go with the beatdown plan with. Uh, um, Hex Mage and the uh, Elvish Spirit Guide, and then I cast an Ensnaring Bridge, um, and then he was locked out of that game. Game two, he got there, he pulled off a Merit Lage and killed me, and then game three was pretty tight, actually, because I had a bridge, uh, I had a fast bridge, and then I played a, um, a, I think I brutalityed him to take a look at what was in his hand. And he had this, like, this card I had never seen, but apparently it's a real card. Uh, the Black Fling, right? It's the fa- <laughs> like the fairy thing that's like, sack a creature, deal damage equal to it, or drain yeah, your drain opponent. Drain him for. for... <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's a so like... sorcery speed fling, but it drains instead of damages. <laughs> yeah, so so I, I was like, okay, I have this bridge. I'm not just going to die to the combo, but I could die to this. And I think. 
one or two turns before he could go off. I needed a Blood Moon or a Spyglass, and I had boarded in the other two, right? So I had like eight outs. Um, actually, or one of my Chalices, so I had 12 outs, because I could Chalice on two, and I'll lose the game. Um, and I ended up getting a Blood Moon, play Blood Moon, and we kind of sat around for a bunch of turns, and I think I ultimated uh, Liliana, and then won the game. Uh, the game after that, so that was a win, so it's 2-0. Uh, game after that, at 2-0, I played against a Learn, which was a really cool matchup. Um, we played a really long game one, where I felt behind almost the whole time. Um, and he didn't have, like, the infinite combo right away. And it was kind of going beatdown plan, uh, which is a really viable thing you can do with that deck. Um, just play the value plan um, and play like Shardless Agents and and there's a, a three mana 2-2 two, two blue creature that goes and finds an artifact that costs exactly three. So he played that, got a Shardless Agent, played Shardless Agent, got a Baleful Strix, drew a card. He was just like going super value town. And I got a Knight of Souls Betrayal out, which killed most of the stuff on the battlefield. I played an Ensnaring Bridge, was still taking a couple damage a turn. And got really low, got down to like four life, and had to draw a castable spell next turn to be able to not die two attacks. And even if I drew a castable spell, he could attack with three one power creatures, and I go to one, which felt like a bad spot. But I drew one of my four pyroclasms. My first pyroclasm of the game cast it, killed everything. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> what was it, like a four for one? Uh, I think it, I mean he he had gone to value. I think it was like a six for one. Oh God, <laughs> six even just with like Souls betrayal out. <laughs> yeah, just killed all because he had, he had gone into like these these. It's a two two that goes and gets a shardless agent was goes and gets something else. So like he had a couple deathrite shamans hanging around um, under a blood moon, so they couldn't drain me. Thankfully, um, but yeah, I cast that killed all the things on the board. I drew into two collective brutalities in a row. Um, and just straight drain them for two both times. Cause I know that that like, that, um, is it like parasitic Strix comes in and like drains your opponent for two. If you control black permanent, like mm-hmm. I was going to be dead to two of those, mm-hmm. um, which would not be good. So, uh, I got out of range, uh, cast a Chandra ultimated it and, and got there. Um, and then I think we played another game and it, it wasn't as close. Like he, yeah, he didn't get to go off, so I think I like Blood Moon him out, chaliced, and then just like got a fast Liliana and and killed him. Nice. Next round. Uh, next round, I I literally have nothing on this page other than <laughs> Dan opponent and lands because uh, game one I played a Blood Moon and he picked up his cards, <laughs> and uh, game two I played a Blood Moon and. Uh, he, he gambled, and uh, I got the Crozen Grip out of his hand. Oh, he gambled, and, uh, took Crozen Grip, and then discarded Crozen Grip to gamble? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Uh, then I played, like, a second Blood Moon and two Ensnaring Bridges, and the game was over. <laughs> Jeez. All right, uh, yeah. Uh, so that was... So you're 4-0? Four four yeah, 4-0 at this point. Yeah, and then at 4-0, I took my first loss against Checkpile. Um, game one, I had I went for a fast Blood Moon, got uh, forced. 
Um, then I sort of like wait. I cast a couple spells into days to try to get them out of his hand, but I uh, he had too many, and uh, then he played like Thoughtseize into Jace, and then Liliana next turn, and like I I knew I couldn't get out of that. Uh, in game two, I mulligan to four, um, so that wasn't like a real game, um, and so that was my first loss. So I was four and one at that point. I don't think like I think he like he had a pretty planeswalker heavy draw um which is definitely one of the weaknesses of this deck which spyglass helps sure up but it's not like having two spyglass i mean it's not going to help you against like a sea of chases and lilianas um so that that happened um next round i played against bug uh sorry no rug yeah yeah so this was that four and one i played against rug delver um, and so this is what I alluded to earlier, where, like, game one, um, we had a pretty close match. I mean, he was beating me down with a Delver, and I eventually killed it with a Pyroclasm, um, got me down to seven, and I eventually stabilized with, like, a Chalice and a Blood Moon and a Bridge, and it was too much for him to deal with. Um, I think I cast an Abyss, um, and he had some Geese, um, but it, they couldn't get under the bridge, so he died to a Chandra. Um... Game two, I brought in the Ley Lines and the Helms, and because uh, I'd seen the Hooting Mandrels game one, and uh, that definitely, like, that was a game where I started with that in play, and he looked at his hand and, like, looked a little demoralized, because he probably had at least one completely uncastable card for the rest of the game, um, and it was definitely going to have an, like, his Mongies were going to be 1 1s forever, and his Tarmogoyfs were going to be less than ideal. Um, and from there, it was sort of like not. Uh, it was like close ish, I guess. Um, he, he never got a Delver out. He had like a couple of Mongies and was trying to hit me for like one or two a turn, but he just. He made an admirable fight and got me down to seven, but it took a, like a really long time. I eventually pyroclasmed them both away, and he got stuck with nothing. And I played a Chandra and uh, took it up and ultimated it, and that ended the game. Nice. Or he was at four. I ultimated her and cast a, I cast a Mox Diamond, which does five to the face. Um, and the final round, I drew in, um, drew in a top eight. I got paired against the number one seed. I think my breakers were pretty good. Everyone I played against seemed to be doing really well um, throughout the whole tournament. So um, I was lucky there. So I got to draw in the top eight. We sort of sat down. We, you know, brought out our decks. We both looked through each other's decks. Um, he was on a like a Grixis, um, a Grixis deck. He had some spice. He had uh, was that like there's like a three four flyer for like Grixis colors in one color list that lets you cast like an instant or sorcery from your graveyard for free each turn. Oh, it's the new it's the commander card. Yeah, the commander card. So he had one of those and and that looks super spicy. He's like, Yeah, it's been amazing. Um Yeah, but I've seen that do some work. He, yeah, that card's busted. But he looked through my deck and was like, I don't want to play against this. <laughs> <laughs> like Blood Moon shuts off basically the whole deck. Um he had I think no basics. Um he had a bunch of like cheap one drops and cantrips, so Chalice is really good. Um and he does he wins the game by attacking, so ensnaring bridge and, and the abyss are a pain in the ass. So it was definitely not not an ideal matchup for him, so um 
it was good that we drew in. I, I, I feel favored in that matchup, but like it's not the right force of will in a shitty draw can definitely um, be the downfall of decks like this. Non-blue decks, if if you, you can definitely like lose to your own deck and drawing poorly. So um, I think one of the important things that I had learned from playing this deck in the past was when to mulligan and when not to mulligan. That's very important with this deck. So I found myself mulling to six uh, a little more aggressively than I would have in the past, and it served me well. Nice. So, you know, you already talked about uh, some changes you might make to the deck. Um, it sounds like, do you see yourself playing this deck going forward? Yeah, I think so, for at least another, like, couple months, you know. Um, I hope there's something here. It feels like there's something here. Um, it, um, I, I come from a background of playing these, like, black, mono black pox or, or black green pox, like, black-based prison decks. Um, and sort of like trying to merge it with the red-based uh, Blood Moon Chalice and Staring Bridge Prison decks feels like a pretty good marriage. And I, it feels currently in the current legacy meta, it feels better to me than than just like the mono black pox based prison decks. I, it it suits my playstyle more than the mono red based prison decks where you're trying to like blood moon and play a bunch of dorks and like make sure you get there with your rabble masters and and stuff like that i don't like attacking with creatures i have no creatures in this deck um i like to really shut my opponent out um and i I find that like you make sure you lose less games that way um so i'm not like i couldn't tell you if like the win percentage is better overall than than just like dragon stompy or something like that um but i think there's something here i will stick on it for for a little while and if it kind of craps out and and if i end at a spot where i feel like the deck is as honed as it's going to be and it's not very good then i'll move on to something else but um if it keeps doing well then yeah i'll stick with it i'll keep tuning it um i think there's a lot of things that you can change and and there are plenty of spots available for people to get creative and play an Omnixilis. Why not, you know? Yeah. Could add some spice like tabernacles or lots of things. No, no, because you're blood mooning. Oh, right? that's true. God, that's the problem with these prison decks is you want to play these sweet cards, then you can't because it shuts off your, your, your prisoning yourself. Yeah, yeah, you got to be careful. Um, no, like, hyper-sweet lands, which... Uh, Makes me sad. I have, like, started thinking about and, like, briefly toyed around with a black-green prison deck. Um, That's something, like, I could see myself trying out in the future in a different meta. I think right now, way too many people are playing way too greedy mana bases that Blood Moon is just so good that you can't, like, I can't afford not to play it. Yeah. It wins. Play it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah right um and most importantly it wins in a way that i enjoy winning and magic which is making sure your opponent can't cast spells <laughs> love that really drive that point home <laughs> yep yep it's very important uh do what you love in magic um this is what i love to do so um it suits my play style and especially in a format like legacy where you're going to be like where you should be picking up a deck, I think, and sticking with it for some number of years. Make sure it's something you like to do. 
um, I think that really helps, really helps in the long run. Um, and it helps the creative juices flow. For sure. Awesome. Any, uh, closing thoughts before we move on to the next topic? Um, no deck was sweet. Loved it. Try a couple things. Uh, if you, um, I think I've listened to one of your podcasts and there were some folks in Arizona and their local legacy scene. Um, and they're like, Oh, there are all these lands players, a bunch of like a whole, like five of our players picked up a tabernacle. Oh yes. And now they're playing lands. Yep. That was, Dude. Yep. <laughs> bring this deck to that tournament, right? Bring this deck there. Show some people up. Be like blood moon. Oh, you know, lands is basically a buy with this deck. And you can just, like, randomly get buys against other decks, too. If people are being greedy with their mana, play Blood Moons. Um, and I think they also said they had, like, a prison group, right? Yeah. They have, like, a group of guys that gets together and talks about how they can just, like, prison people <laughs> out super hard. <laughs> play Blood Moon, play The Abyss, play Night of Sills Betrayal, play Insaring Bridge. I mean, just play these hateful cards. <laughs> play around with this deck. I would, I would love to see other people's versions of this deck. Uh, I think that would be great. I can't wait for uh, a month from now when I get hate mail from Anthony complaining, what have you done to my meta? <laughs> <laughs> who was I talking to? Um, um, ben Ben Brandt, I think, who's a, 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 a Pox player in our area who was at the tournament. Um, he's been He's been hitting me up and talking about like, man, I don't know what your bad matchups are, but if there's a deck for slaughter games, I mean, it seems like this deck. <laughs> Oh yeah, little slaughter games action. Jeez, yeah. Try some crazy stuff out. You know, I have Um, I have had show and tell slaughter games. It is not fun. Yeah, got force. Don't care. (laughs) It's gone. See ya. (laughs) Nice. So I think that would be like the most like the the coolest thing that would come out of this is if, if if other people pick this up. Try it out, uh, make some tweaks. I'd be really interested to see what other people come up with. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Deck is fun. I don't want to play it. I I, I was surprised because we we tested a shit deck is time. fun. I don't want to play it. <laughs> yeah, well, no, like I as in like I don't want to play against it because we played no, okay. we played like a shit ton of uh, practice matches, and I I thought this was going to be a buy, and it ended up being way harder than I thought it was because. The other prison decks are not very difficult for sneak and show at all, but this one is a different beast. Yeah, I mean, I think the, like, especially this version of the deck, like, it's not, I don't feel great about the matchup. You probably don't feel great about the matchup. It was pretty close. Um, Having multiple main deck copies of Ensnaring Bridge helps tremendously against specifically your deck. Mm -hmm. Um, And Collector Brutality being able to, like, snipe... uh, like a um, a show and tell um, yep. helps, right? So it's like, typically I use this as a dismember because a lot of the decks I'm playing against are creature-based matchups, and I'm like, I want to kill that Deathrite Shaman, but having a card that acts as a dismember but can also get an important card in, in your like A plus B combo matchups is great. Mm-hmm. Can't say enough good things about Collector Brutality. Yeah. Lily, um, Liliana the Veal is also pretty difficult just because if you, you get me Hellbent, it just is game over, and Liliana also yep. turns off uh, show and tell. Uh, it's yep. basically uh, sneak attack. Uh, and bust. Well, she she doesn't right. I mean, I have to be able to cast her and resolve her after the fact because I can't just put her into play. No, you can't put her into play. But if you get, I mean, you can get her out. You know, I think you have more acceleration than I do. Yeah, um, you you know what I can put into play though. 
the abyss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god, that would be miserable. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chalice of the Void on one is important against you, and the Sorcerer's Spyglass to yes, turn off something. Sorcerer's is Spyglass is the big thing. Like, if you have the Abyss, Liliana, and Spyglass on Sneak Attack, uh, that's going to be very difficult for me to beat without getting, like, the show-and-tell Omniscient Semrakul combo. Yeah. I haven't played enough of the matchup to decide what the, like, how good the current version of the deck is against it, but it feels better than when we played, or at least on paper. But uh, yeah. it's still not a matchup I like. I'd rather see elves or Grixis or some Delver bit like Rug or you want a those. Creature-based you want deck. those free wins. I don't blame you. <laughs> hey man, I want. I mean, like, I think a really cool thing about this deck right now is if you want to go to a tournament and play something totally weird and win, there are a lot of free wins out there for this deck in in a lot of different ways. Like even. Like, Elves, Blood Moon isn't going to get you a free win, but Chalice is, and Knight of Souls Betrayal is, like, definitely game over for that. Ensnaring Bridge, they have a really hard time beating. You got four main deck Pyroclasms, like, you can just, you can trash on decks like that. Um, there are a lot of decks that, that, that this can beat. There, there's definitely, like, Storm, almost impossible to win game one. Um, you have to, like, know it going in and play your Chalices right and your collective brutalities, but that's that's a really hard matchup to win. So that's why we have um, the Trinospheres and the Nether Void and the board, plus you can bring in the Leyline plus Helm combo and that matchup, but it's still not great. Um, it feels like a... No, it's just not good. Like, um, <laughs> no. Because you're always going to... No, it's just not good. You're always going to lose game one. Um, game two, like having played the matchup several times at gaming, et cetera, it comes down to, do they have it or do they not have it? They like very frequently, they have to go off turn one because you're playing like a turn one Trinosphere. Um, and so I've, I've definitely had matchups where I like completely get steamrolled game one and I know they're playing storm. So I just don't play cards. Um, so they have no idea what I'm playing. And then game two, I'll throw like a chalice on zero and then a Trinosphere. Uh, and then game three, they'll go off before I can play a spell. And they'll often ask, like, how dead was I if I didn't have it? And I was like, completely dead. That would have been exactly what I did before. Um, but that's that's a tough matchup. Awesome. Cool. Uh, Pat, we got yes. an email this week. We did. You want, you want to go into it, buddy? Uh, yeah, do you think we have time? I think so. I think so. All I right. mean, I wouldn't All read right. the email verbatim, but <laughs> oh, well, that was my plan. <laughs> All right, so we had a really cool email come in. I'm just gonna go down, um, sort of his his uh, spiel here. It shouldn't take too long. He says, "Hey, leaving a legacy." Uh, he says, "Thanks for making a great content." I recently started listening. You've got a great show. Keep up what you're doing. Thank you very much for that. Um, he says, "I mostly play modern and popper because that is what my local game store supports." They are both great formats, but I've recently started considering a push for legacy in my area. I was curious to hear what your thoughts are on adapting common modern decks into something suitable for legacy tournaments. I know that modern is a much different format than legacy, even though there are certainly some similarities in archetypes that carry over. Uh, I know that Splinter Twin and Birthing Pot are fringe decks that show up occasionally. Both of them, <laughs> oh, sorry, both of these were huge players in modern before getting banned. Uh, modern Infect is similar to its legacy counterpart. Um, obviously, he's missing some key hate bears and whatnot. Um, he makes it, he also says like death and taxes is something that can, that can carry over as well. Um, I'd also 
I don't. He, I don't think he mentions it, but oh yeah, he does say yeah. Burn is also something that ports over really nicely as well. Um, he says in modern, I usually play goblins. And this is kind of where we get into the 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 real crux of the of the question here. Like I said, don't read it verbatim. Yeah, you, sorry, you read it verbatim. <laughs> well, you know, uh, in modern, <laughs> in modern, I usually. <laughs> I, he says he usually plays goblins, uh, which is much different than what goblins traditionally looks like in Legacy. Um, here's the goblin list that he plays in modern. So we'll go down this real quick. Uh, four Legion Loyalist, four Foundry Street Denizen, four Goblin Guide, four Bolt, four Goblin Grenade, four Goblin Pile Driver, four Bushwhacker uh, of the Goblin variety, and then four Reckless Bushwhacker, four Mog War Marshal, four Goblin Chieftain, one Shared Animosity, one Tearing Peaks, and 18 Mountains. I need, I need to look uh, at some of these cards. Yeah, I don't know all of them myself either. Um, so... He says that it's a great competitive deck for mod- for budget modern, so it's about 125 bucks. It's really cheap and very cheap for Legacy, obviously. Um, he says, as you can see, it's very aggressive, um, and all in all, you know, it, it's it's aggressive and all in compared to Legacy Goblins. Do you think something like this would be even playable in Legacy? Um, in modern, it punishes players who stumble on mana or can't interact on the first couple turns, since it has the potential to deal to deal 20 by turn three. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jerry, what do you think of this list? And are there a few, like, maybe a, a couple small upgrades? Um, he says that he'd love to hear our thoughts on modern players looking to hit Legacy, using the cards and decks they already have. Um, <clears throat> but I wonder if we can add a couple cards to this, like, you know, pretty uh, affordable cards to make it a little bit more competitive in Legacy. Like, what yeah. What do you think this is lacking right now that, that it needs to, to be a, a starter deck in Legacy? Let's we'll call yeah. it. <clears throat> well, I mean... First of all, I mean, he recognizes it. it. It's important to say this isn't going to be a tier one deck, you know, no matter how much glitter you, you, you glue onto it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, don't take this deck expecting to take down a GP. But, you know, mm-hmm. can you get lucky and take down your local Ephidim? Yeah, I, I, totally. I can see you, you taking some matches with it just for the mm-hmm. fact that it's an aggro deck. Um, like if mm-hmm. you're going to play a budget deck, aggro tends to be the best budget decks because... Mm-hmm. You kill your opponent before your subpar cards start to matter. Um, I I love the Goblin Grenade. I have such fond memories of casting Goblin <laughs> Grenade back in the day, and I I've have never cast a card. Oh man, it's just just five to the face, Pat. You know you know how good Thunderous Wrath feels in your blue red Delver deck. That almost as good as Goblin Grenade is almost as good as Goblin Grenade. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, seriously. Like, if you're going to turn this into a legacy deck, keep the grenade. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Goblin grenade. That's awesome. awesome. Um, I mean, this deck is going to have huge problems with combo decks. You have basically zero interaction with combo. Uh, and this is going to have huge problems with uh, chalice decks. So mm-hmm. you're definitely going to want to dodge some matchups. Uh, but, you know, can you take down some games with it? I, I can see you taking down a game or two. Um, the problem is, is that... You know, goblins, even tier, not not tier one, but like, what's the, how to say it, like, like perfect, a perfect goblins list, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is not very good. Like, goblins hasn't been good in Legacy in years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even Murpho. What? Uh, it's, I mean, I'm not counting, like, Mog Stompy goblins. Like, I don't count that. At, like, I'm talking like. No, I know. I just like, it's, it's, it's definitely worse than it was. Um, and it feels like. Players who want to be playing some like swarm based creature deck should probably be playing elves, right? Or or even death um, and taxes. Like I think death and taxes is a better strategy of 
you know, slowing your opponent down and then beating them down with, you know, small to medium sized creatures. Yeah. I'd be really interested to see, cause I, I back to that uh, episode where you talked to the guys in Arizona, they said they had several goblins players who kind of just stick with it and adapt to every meta. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the guys who have been stuck on that deck for a long time and have been like really adapting, I'd be really interested to see what their lists look like because yeah. I bet you they've they've made some pretty cool innovations that we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I think if they were going like oh six at every tournament ever, they might consider backing off. But they're probably winning enough um, to keep them happy, and and I'd be really interested to see what that's like. So uh, yeah, that's true. I I think like don't like necessarily hop on and like net deck what whatever won the last tournament <laughs> Cause, with goblins because that's might gonna be, be like, like four years ago. four years ago <laughs> yeah. like I, the um, last i remember goblins was they were doing like thalia rashad and port type tricks and then swarming <clears throat> with uh goblins mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean i think looking at this list if you wanted to like depending on how much money you want to spend if you want to just turn this into like a a really quick and dirty legacy deck like um Throwing in some goblin lackeys and some ringleaders could do you a world of good. That is um, that is the benefit of goblins is that the cards that are really good upgrades for this deck are dirt cheap. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think like um, if you want to spend a little bit more money, um, like you you can get those two cards for dirt cheap, and they're definitely yeah, you can get a place cards. out of goblin lackeys for for around twenty to twenty five dollars. Yeah, and and ringleader costs what fifty cents or something. Yeah. So, you, if you, if you could get like wastelands or what twenty five bucks, I think yeah, I think between twenty and twenty and thirty. So you can get a place out of wastelands there pretty inexpensively as well, or even a couple, you know. Yeah, and and if you can get aether vials as well. Um, yeah, vials, that, vials caverns, help. caverns would be good as well. I don't know if caverns worth the price point. I mean, obviously, caverns mm-hmm. right. important for the stack for things like chalice. But right. the money that you pay on cavern, unless cavern just drop like a tank with iconic mass. No, it hasn't. It's still like in like the forties to fifties, yeah. depending on the addition you're getting. I would say. Uh, saying, yeah, like, so I think if if you're trying to say budget not worth, like I think if you're gonna if you're gonna spend money, get the get the vials and the wastelands. They're far more important than other things. Yeah. And and you know like, it sounds like a dirty thing to say. But if you want to splash a color, play the Shocklands, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, Especially in an ag- I, aggressive seen, deck. Like, like, you're not going to care about yeah. the life loss because you're going to be dealing more damage <clears throat> than you take. Yep. Yeah, it depends on your local meta. You know, Thalia is pretty cheap. If you want to splash white for Thalia, um, get some Fetchlands and, and get some, uh, uh, what is it? What's the red-white Shockland? Uh, Sacred Foundry. S- Sacred Foundry, yeah, yeah, Sacred Foundries. Yep, you know? totally. Um Take the damage, whatever, it's fine. You're you're the aggro. And when you get to the point where you're like, man, I'm losing these matches by like two life, you know, um, then you evaluate whether or not it's worth to pay for <laughs> plateaus. Luckily, plateau is one of the cheapest dual lands. <laughs> yeah, it's still expensive. It's true. Still, yeah. But yeah, right. I mean, it, as far as a quick and dirty, I, I like this list because you can play it. You, you have the advantage of being a, an aggro deck that can just steal wins from opponents that stumble. Um, you know, he even pointed out himself that that's how the deck wins in modern. It preys on people who stumble. Yep. Um, and in, even in this meta, you're going to play lots of decks that have super complicated mana bases that don't always work mm-hmm. out for them. Yeah, there's a lot of three, four color mana bases out there right now. I mean, 
Deathrite Shaman certainly helps smooth out those mana bases by quite a bit, but they are still out there, so mm-hmm. that's something to keep, keep in mind, too. And, and one more thing I would suggest before we move on. Um, you can absolutely, if you're looking to start a legacy scene in your local local game store, <clears throat> encourage them to do proxy tournaments. Or if, even if it's not a tournament, like a proxy FNM where someone can proxy up to 15 or 20 cards in a legacy deck. Because if you were able to cut out 5, 10, 15 cards out of most legacy decks, they become extremely aff- ex- extremely affordable. Um, and that would let you kind of try different uh, combinations of cards in your deck. Like maybe maybe you want to get four vials. Maybe you decide that you want to spring for four caverns. And if you're able to proxy that out and see how they work for you and, and kind of see what the upside is, I think it would make it a lot easier to make those purchases. Um, the other nice thing about legacy too is that the format is just – it's super steady. It's, it's super long-term. So if it takes you a little time to save up for cards in this in this format, you don't have to worry about the meta changing as drastically as as modern can. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's one of those things where your investments are, are really safe. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's as actually, far as let's actually answer that because his original co- question is, you know, if he took this list to F and M tomorrow. Uh, you know what sideboard cards would he would he choose? Yeah, that's that's a that's a tougher one only because it really is very dependent on your local meta game. Um, Blood Moon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Blood Moon. Blood Moon's helpful. The only problem I have with this deck and Blood Moon is that it has no way to power it out early, mm-hmm. and I think that Blood Moon is at its best when you're able to get it out as early as possible. Yeah, that doesn't mean I'm not, that, I'm not saying that that's not it's not good for the deck. Well, yeah, but he's only point, running 19 lands. Yeah. He have a hard time powering out a blood moon on turn on turn three. My my so, problem okay. with so it is pyroblast and reb. Yes. Yeah, yeah. My problem with it is that it um you know as far as a budget list goes, blood moon's going to be more expensive than a good chunk of the deck itself. Mm-hmm. That's um, also true. well. There you go. Pyroblast. What? How much is pyroblast? Oh, pyroblast is cheap. Pyroblast is cheap. Yeah. yeah. Pyroblast is definitely very important for the combo matchups. Even if you're not able to counter their combo pieces, just being able to counter things like brainstorm and ponder uh, can mm-hmm. buy you enough time to also, kill them. Also, blood moons are like like between like sixteen and twenty dollars each, so they're not they're not crazy expensive anymore. Did they? Man, I can't yeah. keep up with prices anymore. Like, I know. Well, if they've, they've all these reprints a few times, which has helped. I know. I, all I these love reprints. It. I love it. It's great. <laughs> Was it in it's Iconic great. Masters? Uh, no, but it was in um, Modern Masters 3. I feel like it went back... Uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> I was also going to say uh, a braid. I think you want to run at least four copies of a braid in your sideboard, uh, or at least some forms of gre- of uh, Artifact hate, just because uh, um, Chalice of the Void is going to give you problems, Trinisphere mm-hmm. is going to give you problems... Um, things like you want to be able to get a batter skull, even if you're just getting batter skull off the field for one turn, that one turn could be enough to, for you to punch in the last little bit of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, um, if you're playing modern, like surgicals. Yep. Um, I would also just say things like Grafdigger's Cage. I don't leave home without Grafdigger's Cage. It's just yeah, some kind and... of some kind of graveyard hate is always good. Yeah, and if you're splashing white, you can always play Rip. You know. Yeah, I like Grafdigger's <clears throat> Cage because it's also hate against like random things like uh, Green Sun Zenith decks. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, absolutely. Elves with Natural Order. Um, True. And then also just Pithing Needle. Pithing Needle is always yep. good. Yep, needles are great. Um, yeah, the, I, I think there's again, it really depends on your local meta, but those are I think those are all good starting points for a sideboard. Um, but I think it's absolutely possible to to play this deck in Legacy. I mean, it's certainly Legacy legal as it is. Um, making it more competitive is obviously how much do you want to invest in the deck, and you know what is your what does your local meta game look like um, would would certainly help. But I would I would recommend you know getting people together and playing some proxy Legacy. 
It's a great way to start people in the format. It's a great way to get people to introduce the decks. Because the, the worst thing to do is, like, invest in a deck, Jerry, right? And, like, play it a few times and be like, oh, this is not what I want to be playing. And then having to take the hit trading those trading those cards or selling those cards or whatever. And th- then you're just out of a deck for a certain amount of time until you're able to reassemble whatever you want to play next. Um, so proxying a deck is a very low-cost way to get a great feel for the metagame and get a great feel for decks. Awesome. Uh, Can I tell a really, really quick story? Yes. That you'll recognize, Jerry? Yes, please. Speaking of playing a modern deck in Legacy, <laughs> uh, once upon a time, Dan, Jerry, and our good friend Ara uh, drove all the way, where was it, D.C.? Uh, what, it was D.C.? Or... No, Philly. It was Philly? We, dro- we drove to Philly. I think we drove to Philly, yeah. There was like a big, was it Legacy Champs? It was Legacy Champs. So we drove to Legacy Champs, and we got there, and we got into our hotel, and we were like, all right, we should play test. Let's bust out our decks. Let's figure out our sideboards <laughs> for tomorrow. Let's play some games. Um, Ara opened his box and was like, my deck's not here. <laughs> we're like, what? And he's like, I forgot my entire deck at home. I didn't bring oh, my Legacy no. It's about an empty deck box. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So thirty minutes of RF flipping a shit later, um, he had already. I'm like, dude, he had already pre-registered too, right? Yeah, yeah. He'd paid. He was like, he 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 was he was ready, you know. Um, I I was like, you can play my modern deck, and he was like, man, I'm not gonna play a modern deck in Legacy. It's ridiculous. I'm like, dude, throw in four brainstorms, and it's a beautiful deck. So, um, <laughs> I play a shitty modern deck called uh, Blue White Quest for the Holy Relic. Um, at the time, I was playing four unsummons, um, four meddling mage main deck, and the idea is to get this one mana enchantment out uh, that puts counters on it. It's one white for an enchantment. Every time you cast a creature, put a counter on it. Remove five, sack it, search your library for an equipment, put it on a dork you have, and that's it. So you get Argentum Armor, which gives a creature plus six, plus six, and Vindicate every time you attack. And it plays things like Memnite, Ornithopter. Glinthawk to bounce them, um, Fairy Imposter to bounce them, stuff like that. Um, and rather than just not play in the tournament, he's like, fine, I'll put some Brainstorms in here, I'll put some Swords to Plowshares, and I'll try it out. Uh, so we show up, and after round one, I'm like, all right, how'd you do? And he's like, I won! <laughs> so round one, he played against a Reanimator, and his opponent, like, show and tell like a tide spout tyrant, or, or like no no no, he reanimated a tide spout tyrant, and he's like, I unsummoned it, <laughs> and then I just beat him down with like glint hawks and signal pests and, and dorks and stuff and killed him. And like uh, game two, I swords this grizzlebrand and he didn't get there. And uh, he's like, I scooped to him because I'm playing a shitty deck, and I know it, it would be like terrible to like lose to this pile of crap. But uh, you know, like he, you can play these like crazy, goofy, off the wall, aggressive strategies and catch some people off guard. Like I was like, no, dude, you should have taken the win and kept going and see how far you could have gotten. I know. I can't imagine the sigh of relief his opponent must have made when his opponent lost to a modern deck round one of legacy lost to unsummon main deck yeah and then his opponent's like no i'm just messing with you i scoop (laughs) yeah (laughs) jeez good guy all right ultimate slow roll (laughs) 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen standard decks beat legacy decks just because things happen. Like legacy is tuned for the legacy meta. When you throw this wrench in it, that's a deck from another format. Sometimes it just, you know, the stars align and you just have the ultimate matchup. Agreed. Public service announcement. I think we need more wrenches thrown into our format. Um, (laughs) It's a wonderful format, um, but I would like to see... Like, I know there are a lot of decks you can play, but they've been around for a long time. Um, I would love to see a little bit more innovation other than, like, one or two or, God forbid, three or four cards here or there uh, in established decks, you know. Um, I think that would be that would be good for, for Legacy. And I think it's, I think it's doable, you know. Um, I think you can have a winning record against other people in the format by... Um, thinking about different ways of attacking the format yeah. and, and playing stuff people haven't seen before. Like the number of times that at, at this past tournament that I won just because my opponent had no idea what was going on. Um, <laughs> uh, like that, that is, that is an extreme benefit. Um, and I think that's an incentive to brew. And, and I would love for people to take away from this podcast that, that you can brew in legacy and get there. Um, so believe in yourself and, and keep it up. Oh man, now I'm picturing just like a rainbow shining over the cast. <laughs> yeah, so so the past cast was like, God damn it, like everything sucks. Format's dead to I me. Can see like I hate everyone. Now the um, rain is gone. If you feel that hate, take that hate and channel it into a beautiful rainbow. Dan was Dan was listening to you. his Tony Robbins CDs the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> hey man don't knock tony robbins man i'm not i'm just saying you've you're in, you've been inspired man i have been inspired but 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 for real fuck that guy he's he's a loser yeah i've heard terrible <laughs> things about him but uh yeah like brew and legacy um show up with some weird stuff man um people appreciate it uh the number of people that i beat that were like this is awesome man this is sick you know like cool I love it, you know, and they're they're not they're not upset that they just got stomped by this weird deck, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel as bad losing to something where someone's doing something new uh, and and exciting, whereas they get stomped by some deck they've seen a million times before, and it's like, yep, cool, all right, bye. I lost a Deathrite Shaman again. Yeah, woo, <laughs> shocker, boom. All right. Uh, who, who sent us that, uh, email, Pat? I don't have it in front of me. Uh, it was Nate Slover. Thank oh, you for the question, yeah, Nate. Thanks, Nate. That was awesome. Uh, up next, Pat, we got a little giveaway coming up, right? We do. End we do. Year? So, uh, yes, end of year, kind of like a little Christmas, uh, New Year's giveaway time. Uh, we have, um, got our hands on an extra set of the Hascon promo. Uh, so the Hascon promo box set was, co- with comes with like... Uh, actually, hold on. I have mine back here. Let's see. Has uh, the Sword of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the Nerf War card, and of course the the new hotness, uh, Grimlock Dinobot Leader. These things are going for like 150 bucks right now for just the Dinobot. Are they up to 150 for just Grimlock? Yeah, just Grimlock is what? getting 150 on TCG Player. Yeah, it's insane. Ah, uh, plus it also has the uh, it has that uh, sweet like foil dragon token too. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah it does. So, all right, we're giving we're giving one of these away. Yes, we can, are. So we're gonna have. Can some I enter, more details. Pat? How do I enter to win? Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, near mid foils, one hundred forty dollars on TCG Player right now. Jesus, 
that's and that's the lowest price. They're going up upwards of three hundred dollars for some of them. All right. Yeah. Crazy. So God, um, we should have gr- grinded more events to uh, we get should. more of those. <laughs> we should have. I mean, I'm I'm happy I picked up two boxes. I'm I'm sure you're happy you picked up your two boxes. It's true. Um. Yeah. For sure. So. Uh. But yeah. So we're gonna have more details on how to enter. It's probably gonna be some kind of combination of liking the Facebook page and also um, following Jerry and I on Twitter, and that'll probably get you a certain number of entries each, and then. Uh, and then we'll raffle it off sometime uh, towards the end of the year. We should be like the and, we should be like the New Yorker and have like a cartoon and have people caption the cartoon and ooh. only the wittiest and driest of humor. <laughs> so I think what we'll do is we'll get a picture of Jerry. No, you have to I caption the picture of Jerry. For that. <laughs> you don't have to volunteer. You've been voluntold. <laughs> Thanks. No, well, we'll, Thanks, we'll Sergeant. Have, we'll have ways for everyone to enter. Um, just keep your eye out on the Facebook page. Uh, we'll post something on Twitter as well and we'll get it out to everybody. Um, I really would like it to go to someone who actually listens to us. That's the other thing too, is I don't want to do it to just some rando who like follows us on Twitter. So we'll have to figure out a way to, a way to make it work. Um, but we will get it out to one of our listeners. Um, so I thought it's something nice to do for our listeners at the end of the year. Yeah. Giving spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um yeah that's all i had awesome uh before we get into scoops uh actually speaking of the awesome arizona guys uh they actually sent me a message just asking people to uh let them know if you are in the arizona area on the 17th uh or even if you're not they're going to be streaming it uh on the 17th they are doing a big legacy tournament um, so the details are going to be posted on the Facebook page. Uh, so check it out if you want to just, you know, you're not doing anything on the 17th and either want to play some legacy in the area or just watch some sweet legacy stream. Nice. Very nice. Cool. Cool. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'll watch that. Yeah. I mean, there's not enough legacy streams these days. Agreed. There really isn't like. Star City dropping their legacy coverage was uh, sad um, yeah, that... and unfortunate. Uh, we got, we got like, they, they have the like, classics or whatever um, frequently, but um, it's not the same, you know? Well, it's, it's like so... Star City dropped legacy and all these other stores picked up legacy. So, like, there are so many legacy tournaments to go to. Like, I, there are... I've been doing a one a legacy one K or larger for the last two weeks. And then there's another one next week that I don't even know if I'm going to be able to make it to, uh, plus more legacy events on the horizon, but it feels like no one's really streaming them outside a handful. Yes, there are some people, but we just haven't seen anyone pick up the reins to have like a star city games level stream experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even someone who could go to like, one of these each week, you know, like I, I think it's been great for the player community, right? Cause all these local shops have admirably like taken up the mantle to, um, to support legacy tournaments week in and week out, um, or, or month in and month out. And, and it's just like they offset on weeks. That's been super awesome and like really good on all of you guys. Like we really appreciate it. Um, but for the folks who can't make it out each week, um, like some stories do, uh, stream it uh, and and have feature matches on camera um, and stream it on Twitch and and that's awesome. But we don't have like we don't have like a, a collective central source where we can go to see 
uh, and watch on weekends where, where maybe we can't make it, you know, that, um, that, so maybe that's like the next step. That would be an awesome project. And I'd be happy to help put people in touch with things is see if we can get like a centralized source for a weekly legacy. Cause there are plenty of shops that stream legacy when they have it, but maybe they mm-hmm. only have legacy once a month or once every other month or once a quarter. And, well, you just have them all collected in one place to plug in the hole. So you try and get at least some consistency of uh, a legacy stream, you know, at least once a week. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's the number one rule of podcasting is consistency. The way to Absolutely. have the way to have a, a popular podcast is not to be good. I mean, we're proof of that. Right, Pat? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You don't need to be the best at what you do. You don't need to have the best content. You don't even need to be really competent in what you're talking about. You just need to be consistent. <laughs> exactly. And here we are. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? You, you guys are like fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. All right. You're welcome, Jerry. I love you. Uh, All right, you ready to get in some scoops, Jerry? It's getting real late. Tonight. It is getting real late. Let's scoop it up. All right, let's get into scoops, Jerry. Who are you scooping in this week, man? Oh man, uh, I gotta reach. You, you have a lot, so make it fast. Uh, I threw my notebook across the room, and I forgot it has scoops on it. We have show notes for a reason, man. Uh, but these were written down. Uh, so uh, one of the scoop in Connor. He's actually G Lava Mancer on Twitch. Pat, I finally met him in person. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I got to put a face to him. Uh, also, Adam uh, from Connecticut is another listener. Uh, I got to talk to him for a bit. So, uh, you know, it was great talking to him. Uh, you know, we always love meeting uh, fans of the cast, just talking, meeting you, kind of finding out what's going on in the other end of this microphone. Uh, also, just wanted to scoop in Gaming Etc. and Michelle and Sean for judging and just everyone who came together to make it such an awesome event. Um, so, you know, really, really pumped for that. Always happy to go to events there. Uh, and, uh, also, you, Dan. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. It's been fun. Awesome. All right, Dan, uh, who do you want to scoop in? Um... I want to echo what Jerry said. I want to scoop in all the folks at gaming, et cetera, who, who made that such a wonderful tournament. Um, that was great. Thanks for Sean. Thanks to Sean for judging. Um, thanks to Michelle for putting it on. Thanks to all the folks who traveled. Um, I might not get everyone, but the folks from Maine, the folks from Albany, the folks from Connecticut, um, you guys made that the 78 person tournament that it was. Um, and, and we who are so blessed to be in the area are really appreciative of you guys coming out and, and making a big tournament like that. Um, shout out to all the brewers out there. Um, there are places that you can go to find people to bounce ideas off of. Um, I think it's hard to find good places in the community to bounce ideas off of people of like mine who want to talk about, totally weird off the wall decks and don't just want to talk about metagame mm-hmm. or, or what the best like Grixis Delver variant is, you know? Um, so I would say check out the leaving a legacy Facebook page. Um, see if you can find people there. Um, the source is still a place where you can go find threads where people are keeping alive, weird decks. Um, and check that out. Um, we appreciate, you know, anything new and interesting and fun. Um, and final shout out to anyone who wants to now uh, connect with Jerry and um, and try to put together like a, 
almost like an MTG mom calendar of um, streaming legacy during the weekends. I'd be happy to help. Um, I think this is a good idea and we can get some folks together who uh, are kind of like have their finger on the pulse of their local beat and, and can, you know, let Jerry know what's going on. Um, kind of volunteering you here, Jer Bear, but um, <laughs> no, I'm happy. I'm I always think, happy to help uh, grow the legacy community. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be cool. Uh, I think I think if we all come together, we can kind of fill that void. Um, and and there's definitely stuff streaming. I just I I know I try really hard to uh, to find good content on the weekends that's that's streaming, and uh, and it's difficult. Um, so if we can put together like one source of truth, that'd be great. And um, and shout out to you guys. Thanks for having me on again, especially after I like went completely off the rails last time. But, you know, it made a pretty sweet deck. So, uh, Worth? I'm going to go with Worth. And shout out to anyone who is still listening to the podcast. <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's, been a, it's been a long one. Um, and thanks for letting me rant in your ear for... <laughs> however many hours it's been. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I've, I have a few scoops myself. I uh, wanted to scoop in Nate Silver for the question this week. That was great. It was awesome to talk about that. And also Anderson LeClaire uh, for being our newest Patreon member. So thank you, Anderson, for supporting the show, man. Much appreciated. Um, all right. Well, I think Jerry has <laughs> – I think we lost Jerry. So, um, uh, Dan, if I know you have a Twitter handle. It's Radadravic, right? Uh, yeah, that's that? correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I don't, I don't just like randomly post. I'm not the best on social media, but um, if I get an alert, I will, I will respond to cool. it. Um, cool. So we have that. You, are you on the Facebook page as well? Yeah, I'm on the Facebook page. People cool. can find me there. Awesome. Um, I don't post frequently enough, but um, I think I should make a concerted effort too. <laughs> if you if you want to find me on Twitter and you can't figure out how to spell it, go find the card smallpox uh, from Time Spiral. <laughs> And you will find the correct spelling. <laughs> I'll also drop it in the show notes for people who are lazy. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. <laughs> um, also, if you want to follow uh, Jerry, it's at JME3RD on Twitter. You can follow me at Pat Uglo on Twitter. The, my stream is twitch.tv slash Pat Uglo. Uh, you can find the Facebook page to search for Leaving a Legacy. You can find us on Hipsters of the Coast, of course. And you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Now, this is the time when Jerry would normally... Roll a D twenty to do the song the song game, um, but I don't have any D twenties right now. And Jerry is MIA, so we are gonna just I'm gonna just choose a song off this list. Uh, let's go with we we can solve this problem. Do you uh, want a random number, Pat? Yeah, sure. Give me a random number from one to seventy two. Forty five. Forty five. Our friend Thomas Smiley, three eleven. Too late. I've never heard this song before, but I know of the band three eleven, so it can't be terrible. I guess we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) It's way down there. Well, all right, Pat, play us out with something sweet. Okay, I will. Time that you hear this, it will be too late.
might do a bit of good But I cannot stay in a hopeless way By the time that you hear this It will be too late Too late Grasping in the darkness Making it up as I go along Find what we needed right when you read this It will be too